0: You know, what we know about human fathers and what we've experienced as kids affects how you think about the fatherhood of God. And if we had a great human father, we like the thought that God is our heavenly father. But some of us have grown up with fathers who were pretty well short of that ideal. They might have been cold, they might have been distant, angry or critical. They might just have had struggles within themselves that seemed to sap their strength. They might have been physically or emotionally abusive or distant or absent. And those, that type of fathering can make it hard to relate to God as your Heavenly Father. And for some of us it'll take quite a lot of work because we need to do some important things, we need to overcome the negative feelings about our earthly fathers and, and distinguish between that earthly father and the heavenly father and not confuse the two so that we can come to very deeply understand that everything that we yearn for in our earthly father is found in our heavenly father. And some of us might need to find what King David wrote about in Psalm 27, verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And the Lord will take care of me. But although some have more work to do than others in order to understand the perfect fathering of God, The fact is that all of us have some work to do because there wouldn't be a person in this room who had a perfect father. And we shouldn't underestimate how important it is to sift out the differences here so that we can come to a proper understanding of our Heavenly Father. The author and theologian J.R. Packer wrote, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If that's not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and his prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he doesn't understand Christianity very well at all. Because correctly and deeply understanding the father-to-child relationship with God can give you a profound sense of being loved. Everett Fulham was a missionary to a remote tribe in Nigeria and he talked about what one of the local Nigerians told him. And this this guy said, beyond this universe stands one God, not a great number of warring spirits as we'd believed, But one God, and and that God loves me. And I believe we all should share in the wonder of that. The fact that this man felt and knew that the God of the universe loves me. And so today we're going to take a relaxed walk through a number of Bible passages about the fatherhood of God. So that we can get as good an understanding as possible about what our Heavenly Father is like. So we firstly we're going to see the personal Father. Because he is a person. He wants to relate to us. And he wants to relate to us as any father would with any child. And we see in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. Jesus speaks to his disciples and this then is how you should pray. How does he start off? The first two words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. He taught his disciples to start their prayer life with the fatherhood of God. Start with the understanding that you're praying to a person and you're not performing a ritual and that you are praying to an eternal dad. And it's our, so you're part of a family of people who pray to this same Father. It's a group thing. You're not the only one doing this. And you start with respect to your Father. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your Father, pure, untainted. Our Father is someone blindingly and awesomely clothed in unapproachable light who has made a way for us to communicate with him through praying. John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. My Father, my God, your Father, your God. That's the amazing personal connection of being a family member with Jesus. The pervasive Father, pervasive means everywhere. Ephesians 4, 6, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's one God and Father. It's not a tribe where you have lots of dads and uncles and aunties. There's an exclusivity about our Father. There's only one of him. And he's over all like an umbrella which protects us from the rain. We are under the umbrella of God's protection. You know, as kids we cherish the strength of our Father, that protection, that sense of security. And and the Father God, it says in this verse, has our eternity protected. Is executing a master plan throughout human history to save as many people as possible because he is overall. The plan will not fail. No matter how bad life may look, God will win. And we will be there in the victory parade with him one day. For God is over all. Through all and in all, that just fleshes out this pervasive capacity to be master of all, to be intimately connected with it all, pervasively, everywhere, in it all. Now, people who don't want to believe in God, just don't don't realise this pervasiveness of God. They don't understand how much of their life is sustained by God. They're like the child who argues with Dad and stomps off to the bedroom. But then eventually they have to come out for food, don't they? And they don't realise that they actually depended upon Dad for the room that they came out of for the bed in the room, for the toys in the room, for, the, for his education, his allowance, his health care, his clothes, his iPad, his bikes. And people don't realize they've received for free a planet, an atmosphere, life, plants that grow and reproduce for food, amazingly intricate body. And they don't realize that God is pervasively over all of it in all of it through all of it the pervasive father the potter father isaiah 64 says yet you lord are our father we are the clay you are the potter we are the work of your hands and it's our father and isaiah is clearly seeing that god is our father regardless who our earthly father was and he reminds us That God, as our Father, has a role, a leadership role in our life. He's transforming us. He's taking the raw materials of our life and shaping us into a beautiful and useful pot. He's the potter who has the capacity to mould each one of us, to shape each one of us. And we are all a work of art. We are all a masterpiece of our Father, the potter master craftsman the planning father I don't know well how big a project your dad ever did but our heavenly dad planned and created a whole universe Acts 17 the God who made the world <laughs> the God who made the world and everything in it is the lord of heaven and earth and he doesn't live in temples built by human hands everything which exists is only alive because of the father and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else And from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. From one man. Think about the genius of being able to create. How many billions are there on the earth? From one man. And the fertility and the abundance of creation. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. And we can see here, God has a macro level of control of nations in history because he marks out the boundaries of empires. God did this. Why? So that they would seek him. Verse 27. And perhaps reach out for him and find him. So that We should seek him. You ever thought about how many of the ancient myths and legends are about this quest that the knight has to go on to find the meaning in life? God planted that desire for a quest in the heart, in the human heart. Although, says, he is not far from any one of us. And the good news is that the prize of that quest is not a long way away. God is only ever a conversation away. It's only ever a conversation away. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Yeah, we are his offspring. And knowing who your father is, is the heart of identity, of knowing who you are and we are his offspring personally moved father personally moved by compassion psalm 103 says as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him and here's a lovely little Visual version of that. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And if we want that confirmed from the New Testament, we're looking to Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of Compassion, and the God of all comfort. Just that little phrase, all comfort. People are trying to comfort themselves all the time with things that only give partial comfort. Where is the place of all comfort? In the Lord. Our Father. Our Eternal Heavenly Father. The Protector Father Psalm 68 verse 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. You know, good fathering extends beyond your immediate family to those around who need it. He defends widows. And it's a holy dwelling. God is in his holy dwelling. His protection, the protective father comes from a holy place. It doesn't come from personal selfish agendas or hidden motives so people will look, say, oh, how good you are comes from a holy, pure place. That's our protector, Father. And John 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. And then this prayer, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them by the power of your name. You see, there's power in a name. For a name identifies a position, and with a position comes the authority to act in prescribed situations. If someone speaks to you and uh, their name is policeman, it's a lot different from someone who speaks to you and their name is next door neighbour. And, and the purpose of God's protection, so they may be one. The authority of the name leads to a healthy community, a wholesome united family the providing father matthew six twenty six. look at the birds of the air they don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet their heavenly father feeds them and are you not much more valuable than they see god provides for things that nobody else is worrying about no one's got their eye on or is concerned about and he does it with substance in a substantive way not just with words as power and as grunt are you not more valuable you know in God's eyes our value is astronomical Luke 12 carries on the thought verse 29 and do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink don't worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father, he knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things, they'll be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom. God provides for those whose top priority is seek his kingdom. Matthew seven eleven. If you then though you're evil If, if you know how to give good gifts to your children how much more how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him how much more well what about everything go to Ephesians 1 verse 3 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every how much is every with every spiritual blessing in Christ this is in the heavenly realms which we don't see and understand yet but nevertheless is a reality one day we will see that but we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every every spiritual blessing that is massive nowhere else in life you get everything the prodding father. We all need a little prod from time to time, don't we? Deuteronomy 8, 5, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. And we see that our heavenly father disciplines just like any loving father. And fathers who don't discipline, well, they're really wimps because they're unwilling to make the hard decision that their kids need. Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father of the son, he delights in. So the attitude to the Lord's discipline, do not despise it. Do not resent it. That's the right attitude. Because we are those he loves. And you know, people who really care about you, will sometimes say the hard things. The persevering father, in his defense, Jesus said to them, John John chapter 5, verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Always at work. Who knows that fathering is an ongoing job? There's no rest for the Heavenly Father. There's no rest for the Son. Never assume that God is doing nothing because you can't see him doing anything. He is a persevering Father. He is a praiseworthy Father. 1 Peter three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's this Father done? In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead the father has given us new birth he's burst hope within us now usually birthing's associated with women isn't it but in this case this is a place where a father creates birth he bursts the hope that comes from knowing that jesus overcame death for us the privilege provided by our father 1 john 1 3 we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father it is fellowship with the father and his son jesus christ what a privilege to actually have fellowship with the father of the universe Wow, it's not just Jesus, it's also with the Father. And the patriarchy of our Father for all? Malachi two ten says, Do not do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? So correct understanding of God the Father is that we are all brothers and sisters we are all relatives all humanity is one family and all those of us who believe in Jesus are one section of that family and so we should never be unfaithful to one another never fight one another for we're all family The permanence of our Father, Psalm 89, verse 26, He'll call out to me, you are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Saviour. And that permanence of Rock conveys how solid is our relationship with the Father. It's reliable, it's unshakable, it's strong, it's immovable. It's permanent. We have a permanent relationship with our Father. What are some of the perks? The perks of having our Father? Romans 8 verse 14 For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God so we get to be children of the Father and the Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again so we're freed from the slavery to sin and the fear that comes with being caught up in sin and rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship because all of us No matter what biological father we had, all of us are adopted. Adopted into the family of God. And that's a good thing because we're chosen. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, the Spirit you receive when you become a believer is an indwelling, living within you, visitor, presence, It communicates directly with your spirit the truth that you are adopted as a son or a daughter of God. You're adopted. Chosen. And if we're children then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We get to be heirs. We get to be co-heirs. We're in line for an inheritance. And we're in line for to share the inheritance which Jesus is getting we'll be sharing Jesus' inheritance. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We may have to endure some suffering, but there will be a glory to share with Jesus. Note the personal connection with the Father in Romans 8, 15, going back there. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That word Abba is like that first word of a baby a child, the earliest, most intimate, calling out to Dad, Daddy, Dada. That is the astounding level of intimacy we can have with Father God. The price of pursuing our Father, Matthew 12:50, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, whoever does the will. There are no passengers. It's just sensible. If you are a member of a team, you play the game the team is playing and experience all the joys of being a comrade on that team. The predestining Father. Romans 8, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There's intentionality in predestination. There's an amazing sense of security in knowing that you are not the product of a random chance of Your destiny to be confirmed to God's image was lovingly prepared way way back in the ancient past and conformed to his images it's, it's like getting a makeover to look the best of the best you go in and they put you in the chair and the, like a movie star they get you looking the best because you're being conformed to the image of God the purifying father Hebrews two eleven, both the one who makes people holy He makes people holy. And those who are made holy are of the same family. And so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That one who makes people holy, that is the miracle of Christ dying on the cross for us. To make it possible for unholy people to be made holy. And, And who's not ashamed? Jesus is not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters his family the pleased father (laughs) Luke 12 do not be afraid little flock for your father has been what pleased to give you the kingdom don't be afraid what a great encouragement that the father is pleased to give us the kingdom this is unimaginable true eternal wealth the promise of the father if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. You're Abraham's seed. This is I don't know if you've seen so clearly that this lays out our connection with our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we belong to Christ. We have more, but I'll finish with the story. was a professor, vacationing in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He's eating breakfast at a restaurant. And he's a professor, so he's a busy guy, so he's hoping to get a nice quiet breakfast somewhere. And they're uh, waiting for the food and they notice that in comes this very distinguished looking white-haired man moving around from table to table, chatting with the guests. And the professor leans over and whispers to his wife, Oh, hope he doesn't come over here. And of course, sure enough, man comes over to the table and he says, Where are you folks from? He asks, nice friendly voice, Oklahoma, they said. Oh, great to have you here in Tennessee. What do you do for a living? Oh, I teach at a seminary, the, man says. the professor says. Ah, so you teach professors how to preach to you. Well, I've got a really great story for you. And with that, he pulls up a chair to sit down with him. And the professor's groaning, oh, man, great, that's what I need, another preacher's story. So the man starts, he says, look over there, look out that window, see that mountain there? Not far from the bottom of that mountain is a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up, because every place he went, he was always asked that same question. Hey, boy, who's your daddy? Well, that was a particularly hurtful question, you see, because although he knew who his father was, that father had never married his mother. And to make things even worse, this is the south of America. It's it's after the Civil War of 1870, and his dad was a physician or doctor within the Northern Army. And yet, as the story goes, when he was about 12 years old, new preacher comes to the church and and the boy would always go in late slip out early so he could avoid hearing people ask hey who's your daddy but one day the preacher said that benediction so fast that he got caught and he had to walk out with the crowd and just about the time he got to the back door the new preacher not knowing anything about him puts out his hand put his hand on his shoulders hey son who's your daddy and the whole earth got The whole church got dead deathly quiet and he could feel every eye looking at him because finally they were going to find out who is his daddy and the new preacher oh god is good the holy Spirit just gave him the discernment and he looks at the scared little boy trying not to answer it and and uh, he says wait a minute i know who you are i see the family resemblance now you are a child of God. And with that, he patted the boy on the shoulder and said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. And the boy smiled for the first time in a long time and walked out that door a changed person, never the same again. Whenever anybody asked him, Who's your daddy? he just said, I am a child of God. So the distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, isn't that a great story? And the professor said, well, well, yeah, actually it's a great story. And as the man turned around to leave, he said, you know, being told I was one of God's children changed everything. And he walked away. And the professor's just stunned there. And he calls the waitress over and says, hey, who was that man who just left? He was sitting at our table. And the waitress grinned at him and said, Uh, Of course. Everybody knows him. That's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. Knowing your heavenly father is to know everything you need. Let's pray. Knowing you as our father, Lord, is to know all we need. What an amazing father. What an amazing father. we pause and say, forgive us for not understanding that you are in all and through all. And you've set up the whole universe that we might say, Lord, forgive me my sins. Be my saviour, be my father. So if you need to do business with God in this moment, turn to him and say I believe you are my father and when we know that we are a child of God we know everything we need to know